Welcome to the first episode of The Only Way Out is Through. I'm your host, Karen Purs. This podcast is going to explore real-life decision-making through personal stories of how people like you and me face our biggest challenges. We'll talk about overcoming obstacles in our relationships. We'll talk about health, wealth, and even career decisions. These will be stories of everyday bravery. We're going to face our fears and learn together. I'll start with a story of my own. In the fall of 2015, I was beyond burnt out. My dad was dying, and I felt like I was dying with him. I now know there's a name for this feeling. It's called anticipatory grief. At the time, I just knew I needed a break from my dad and all his needs. I needed a break from the pre-death sadness and his stubborn resistance to our best laid plans to keep him safe, and from the weight of it all. I had plans to visit a friend in Minneapolis over Columbus Day weekend. Before I left, we got in an argument. My dad was fiercely independent, and even though it took nearly all his strength, he was still walking downstairs to dinner every day. He could barely stand long enough to push his walker to the elevator, could barely get in before the doors closed. He wasn't steady on his feet. I was worried he'd fall and lose a lot more than his independence. I was trying to persuade him to switch from a walker to a wheelchair to get to dinner in the evenings. The hospice nurse agreed with me, adding some dire warnings about what could happen when people who are in blood thinners fall. She laid out lots of bad options. He could break a bone, hit his head, cut himself and be unable to stop bleeding. But he wasn't ready for a wheelchair, he said. He needed to do some things for himself, he said. I told him I wasn't comfortable with the risk he was taking, knowing the dangers a fall represented. And yes, also the extra work it would be for me to help him and my mom if he got hurt. He said he'd think about it, and I said we'd talk about it again when I got home. So I left, annoyed that everything seemed to be a struggle with him. Getting him to agree to move out of their house to an apartment was a struggle. Getting him to use a walker was a struggle. Getting him to agree to a hospice was a struggle. I tried to be empathetic, but they were leaning on me pretty heavily for support. And I sometimes resented the struggle because often what my parents wanted made things harder for me. I just needed a break. The flight to Minneapolis was short, but by the time I got there, I had a message from the hospice nurse. I called back and she told me they were taking my dad to the hospice wing at the local hospital. When she'd visited in the morning, my dad was not making much sense. And she said he had told her that he had fallen on the way to dinner the other day. Had he mentioned that to me? No, I told her he hadn't. She said she'd keep me posted. They were going to do an x-ray and try to figure out what was going on. That day, I learned pretty quickly that hospice emergencies are very different from hospital emergencies. Every time we'd been to the hospital for an emergency, it felt like they were rushing to check everything at once so they could diagnose and treat it all. In hospice, they checked one thing at a time and evaluated whether treating it was compliant with hospice treatment guidelines. Not that that's a bad thing, it was just kind of disorienting. We started hospice because my dad's cancer wasn't responding to treatment. His doctor said he was eligible, and we wanted the support that hospice provides, like someone to call if we have questions, caregiving help, and other services like music therapy, which my dad shockingly loved. We were focused on quality of living, and even though my dad was terminally ill, we hadn't given much thought to what we'd do if he were actually dying. As we waited, I tried to relax. We went to a flea market, the zoo, and out to lunch. 
We walked through a park under a bluebird sky. We caught up with our friends and tried to keep up with our kids. But my dad was the elephant in every room, and I was wondering when the next call would come. As we were cooking dinner, the doctor called, and suddenly we were in a hurry. The kids are running wild and I can't hear a thing. On top of that, we're having a barbecue and there's smoke in my eyes. I move out of the way to try and hear what this guy is saying. He tells me my dad's oxygen is dangerously low. They think he's had an internal bleed since he fell the other day. A blood transfusion will help, but it isn't considered consistent with the goals for hospice patients. If we do the blood transfusion, my dad would need to be taken off hospice, moved to the hospital, and then moved back to hospice. The doctor makes it sound like an administrative task. Then he asks me if I agree to the blood transfusion. When I ask how long I have to decide, he tells me I need to make the decision quickly. My mom had been my dad's healthcare power of attorney before she had a stroke, but since then she's left me to take the lead when treatment decisions need to be made. As far as I understand, if I do nothing, he'll probably die. Tonight. No more suffering. No more pain. If I agree, he'll likely improve. I don't know how much or what his life will be like, but he's likely to live. My dad isn't coherent. He can't make this decision for himself. I tell the doctor I need a few minutes. I feel like I need a lot longer than a few minutes for this, but there isn't time. I call my mom and explain what's going on. She doesn't know what to do. She has no advice for me. I call my brother and explain what's going on. Talking to him now, neither one of us really remember what we said on that call. I know I talked to my friend who's a doctor, and she explained why the decision needed to be made in a hurry, but she didn't give an opinion. This is a heavy decision, and it's ultimately mine to make in the next few minutes. I only know a little bit about my dad's wishes because he didn't like to talk about death. Somehow he didn't think it was relevant to him in spite of his terminal illness. But I do know if there's a chance at living, he wants it. I know quality of life for him is deeply embedded with his ability to communicate, and they tell me that will come back quickly if we do the blood transfusion. I also know that what I want isn't supposed to enter this decision, but it does. I want to be there if he's dying, and if I don't agree to this transfusion, I'm giving him a death sentence. It's Saturday night, and I'm standing in the dark corner of my friend's backyard as I call the doctor back. I tell him to go ahead. We agree to the blood transfusion. And as my dad goes back to hospital land, things suddenly start moving quickly again. They move him to the hospital right away, do the transfusion, and by the time I get home the next day, my dad's back in the hospice wing, giving me very specific instructions about what he'd like to eat. My dad never walked again. When he got home, I questioned my decision to accept that blood transfusion as he spent the remaining three months of his life in a hospital bed. But as much as I wrestled with it then, I know he was glad for the extra time, and never once did he question the decision. Thanks for listening to The Only Way Out is Through with me, Karen Purs. I hope that wasn't too heavy. In the next few episodes, we have some great conversations coming up. 
I'll be talking to Carolyn about how she made her college choice, to Dimitri about a difficult decision to move to another city, and with DeRondel about how he decided to start his own business. You'll get to hear more about how people like you and me face our biggest challenges at pivotal moments in our lives. You can find the show notes and other episodes online at lifeinmotionguide.com. Until next time, take care.